And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Followers of the King. Our uh, logo tonight for this new series, actually, Beth and I got to go to Israel several years ago, and uh, we took this picture on the Sea of Galilee. That is a picture of the Sea of Galilee, and it was very awesome to be able to stand there and put our hands into the water and just to touch that water. It was just something special for me, and uh, we got to, to take a boat ride out on it. And and I want tonight to really help us make, and if you know me, I'm a teacher by heart, and I love to teach the Bible, but I want to help us make it come alive. Okay, so if you, if you have your Bible with me tonight, uh, look with me in the book of Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Okay, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9, and uh, that'll be a starting place for us. We're going to talk about Matthew. He is a sinner who was saved, and uh, we really know him as Levi starting out. But Levi was a son of Alphaeus, okay, the Bible tells us. And uh, the apostles called him Levi. He was the son of Alphaeus. And, uh, and we have another apostle in the mix called James, son of Alphaeus. We don't know if that was his half-brother or full-brother or not. Uh, scriptures and, and history doesn't tell us, but most of the disciples came in twos. And so you've got Peter and Andrew over here, James and John over here, Philip and Nathaniel or Nathan over here. And, and then we've got uh, Matthew or Levi. And the word Matthew means gift of God or gift of Yahweh. And Matthew is a guy or Levi. Let's call him Levi for a minute. Levi was a tax collector. Uh, he was an employee of Rome and he was a Jew. And so what, what did that really mean? Rome was this invading conqueror who established their own taxes and fees uh, on the people of Israel in that day. Now, this is the first century. Okay, so here we have Levi. He's a Jew. And so Rome comes in, takes over the whole country. They establish their laws, their order. They, they put down rebellions and they put they actually begin to compromise. It's really not a good day to be alive and, and do things in Israel because the temple priesthood was corrupt. Uh, many people had... A compromise with the Roman government, and there had been rebellions by zealots, and man, there's crucifixes uh, along the highways of people who've rebelled against Rome, uh, and there's some passionate people to kick Rome out of the out of the country, uh, but there's some people, kind of like Levi, who see this as an opportunity to kind of get rich, and for whatever reason, Levi becomes a tax collector, and what that meant was is that Rome would institute a tax upon the people, but these little tax collector guys. Uh, kind of like a banker, they would uh, have a charter or a membership or the rights to collect taxes for Rome on behalf of Rome and the reigning, uh, uh, I'm just going to say sub-king, a tetriarch is what they're called, but it's basically Herod and his sons worked for Rome as fake kings, okay? And so they got Rome, you've got Herod and his sons, and then you've got those that work for Rome. And this Jew named Levi began to work for Rome and Herod. And what they would do is the tax collectors would set up booths. Just for example, Matthew set up him a booth in a town uh, called Capernaum. And it was outside, really on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, on a road between Damascus and Jerusalem. And so people would be leaving Syria and they would be traveling around the top of the Sea of Galilee. Actually, where we are right here, this is at Tiberias. Across the, the sea over there, it's only five miles wide, across the sea is the Golan Heights, 
And so they would take a road from the very far corner from Damascus. They'd follow the top over. Uh, they would come around the, the top of the sea and then come past Capernaum, which is at the very tip on the north side of the sea, and they'd be coming down to Jerusalem. And this Matthew would be kind of, or Levi would be like a toll collector. And he would sit there at his booth, and as people came with goods and barters and, and, and uh, things they would sell into, the, into Israel, just like we would have customs today, you pay a tax. Or if you, if you fly on an airplane, sometimes they'll ask you, how many fruits and vegetables? You can't bring that. But how much money are you bringing back? How much all this stuff? And you get taxed on it if it's over a certain amount. Matthew was there to tax the people bringing things into Israel. But the crooked part about this job was a little lucrative because... Uh, these tax collectors didn't have a limit on what they could make a profit off of. Rome didn't really care so much as Rome got their share. So a lot of these guys began to overtax people and began to pocket that much money. We find a guy named Zacchaeus. Remember, he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he? Okay, that was the same kind of job, Zacchaeus, and these guys were rich. And so because of the, the tension in, this, in, in the climate during that time, people really hated people who sold their country out to Rome. Man, there's just this patriotism in Israel and there's this, this fervency. You don't... Well, the Pharisees and the Zealots, they're like, we are Israel. Get these people out. These guys are desecrating the temple. They're bringing their pagan worship in. All of our people are no longer going to the temple now. They're going to these pagan places and, and all of our women are falling with these Roman soldiers and all this stuff's going on. So Matthew or Levi became known as a traitor, became known as an outcast. And for whatever reason, this was his job. And he was reporting directly to Roman officials of all these imports and exports and all of these private... Con- he was a private contractor collecting these taxes. And Matthew's office is located here on this road. This is where we find ourselves, just north of, uh, down the road from the Jordan Valley on the way through Capernaum from Jerusalem to Egypt. And he was paying a lease for this toll booth. Okay, Uh, and and before and so this is Matthew, his life. Now, think about this. What would make a Jew sell out his people? What would lead a person to be unpatriotic? What would lead a person? This guy's in his 20s or 30s, young guy. If he's a Jew, he would have known the Hebrew Bible. He probably he was a Galilean. So he was uh, in a very rural conservative area, much like the one that we live in today. And so he, for whatever reason in his life, uh, we begin to, we don't have a clue of why he would choose this possession. Uh, maybe this is what his dad did. Maybe his dad was not a good guy. Maybe he didn't have a father in his life and it just led him into this place. Maybe uh, there was just something in him as a child that longed for more than what uh, rural Galilee had to offer, fishermen and farming. And, and that was a slow, small town pace. But hey, this is a job I could make something of myself. I can make some money. But it cost him something. It cost him his identity as a Jew, as a Galilean, and it cost him his, his, his affections for the people in his community. He would easily begin taking things from people who, who were poor, who were trying to make their own living. He began profiting and he became a wealthy young man. And so what would be in the mind of a, of a young 20, 30-something-year-old who would get rich of the backs of his own people, who would be willing to risk his reputation in the small town that he grew up with. Just think about in Gina, Louisiana today, what would make a young man not care what people thought about him in his small town? To get rich while everyone was poor and being persecuted, he would sell out to Rome. And this is Levi. 
And so we find something happened. That day was different than any other days. Here is Levi. He's outside of Capernaum. And a man named Jesus shows up. And all the crowds begin to come in. And man, there's a massive crowd. Capernaum's a small, small, small town. But it was big for back then. And you would have heard the roar of the people. You would have seen the dust off the streets of people coming from hundreds of miles away. People you would, Matthew no doubt, or Levi no doubt, would have saw people on carts with sick people. He would have have seen the demoniac people coming past him. He would have heard of the people saying, you know, gee, we're going to Capernaum because Jesus is there. We've heard this guy preaching. He's like nobody else we've ever heard before, this prophet. And Matthew is hearing these things and the stories. And a massive crowd shows up at Capernaum that day. And maybe perhaps uh, he would begin to hear Jesus' voice speak in the distance because he's not very far from the city. This is all outdoors and the sea's there and maybe the sea is, is uh, handling the voice a little ways. And he heard the roar of people and the shouts of amen when somebody gets healed and you know the screams of a demon that comes out when it gets cast out. And then he would have heard the silence as Jesus began to teach. And here he is, he's, somebody comes in. He's charging them. Somebody else comes in. He's charging them. And look what happens. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. I'm going to read uh, in the New American Standard here. Or you can just kind of listen with me. Uh, And Jesus went out from Capernaum towards the sea. Multitudes follow him and he taught them. And passing by, he saw the man named Matthew or Levi sitting as at the tax office. And he said to him, follow me. So Matthew left all and arose and followed him. Then Matthew gave Jesus a great feast in his own house, and many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they complained. And they told his disciples, Why and how is it that he and you all eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus heard and answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick... Uh, But those who are sick, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Amen. What happened there? Matthew's sitting there, and all of a sudden he looks up and there he is. And all these people coming behind him. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's the dude that... And, you know, Matthew probably has heard about Jesus before he lives in that area. Uh, Levi probably had heard about Jesus uh, before. And he's been there for, you know, he lived there, grew up there. He probably, maybe he even knows somebody has got healed. Maybe he even knows uh, the 12, you know, the disciples have been called. Only four had been called at that time, Peter and James and John and Andrew. Maybe he even knew them, grew up to them, went to school with them perhaps. And he sees Jesus and these four guys coming in a massive crowd behind him, just shouting glory to him and praising him. And see, Matthew would have known the phrase, come follow me, because that was the phrase that Pharisees or teachers of the law would give uh, to young men to be one of their students and disciples, a great, great honor given to some of the best young men who would be called into a rabbinical school. It was the greatest honor. It'd be like becoming the cabinet of the president. It would be like that. It would be like, whoa, you just asked me to do what? Jesus walks by Matthew and he says... Come follow me. Here's Levi. That's his name at that time. Levi looking at him. And he, I, can you imagine? He's probably thinking, who? What? Him? Me? Me? And just immediately gets up 
leaves his booth and begins to follow the parade of people. In that moment, I just think about Levi's mind in that moment that perhaps he was struggling that day hearing this speak, struggling with his identity, struggling with what he had done, struggling with who he was, knowing more than that there was more out there, that maybe this isn't the life that he thought it would all to be. Maybe the, the wealth and the fame wasn't all he thought it to be. Maybe all the women that he had in his life wasn't all it cracked up to be. And he's sitting there as a young man, wealthy, having it all together, but yet empty on the inside, longing for something more. And he hears the word, you. Let's go. I want you. And he recognized it as an honor and a privilege of a call to follow a great man. He was more than a man, but he was God in the flesh. So Matthew goes on and immediately Matthew calls all of his friends and the scribes and all his tax collectors and all the sinners that he knows. That's his whole crowd. That's all the people he's hung out with. Grings them all to his big house to have a big party in honor of Jesus. And Matthew begins to be known from that moment on as an evangelist, and becomes one of the four evangelists to write the four Gospels. And Jesus that day, from that day on, we begin to know him not just as Levi, but that's when it begins known as Matthew. The the other disciples knew him as Levi, but at that moment, we speculate that Jesus began calling him Levi, just like you see in the Bible, all these names get changed, okay? Jesus begins speaking over him, and he knows now we call him Matthew. You know what Matthew means? It means gift of God. I can think about it in this way, in the sense that in that moment, Matthew probably had nothing really that he thought he was living for. And, and we see the disciples even struggling with this call. Like, who is this guy? You're, Lord, you're calling him. a This is a traitor, God. You sure you didn't point to the other guy on the other side of the booth, the guy who was over there? God, this is a guy who sold us out, who's a, a reprobate. He, he grew up with us. He knows better. This guy's been getting rich. You know all the women he's been with? You know the money he's spent and off the backs of poor people and travelers? Uh, he sold us out to Rome. You're going to let this guy follow you? Even the Pharisees hark in and say, Jesus, you're supposed to be a great teacher. You're supposed to be one building up righteousness, restoring the people back to God. And you're hanging out with a bunch of people like this. These people are what's wrong with our town. These people are what's wrong with our country. And Jesus looks at Levi and he says, you're a gift from God. You're a gift from God. In our community today, how do we look at people? Can we see them as for what God sees in them? That perhaps today we go along our life and there are people and certainly they may think like, they got it all together. They got money, they got reputation. Yeah, they, they've got things wrong in their life. We see the sin in their life or the world can look and see the, the good things, the money, the fame, the relationships in their life. All the while on the inside, man, something's going on. They're struggling. There's something eating away at them. And they're looking for a God who would just step out of heaven and say, I choose you. You're my gift. You're a gift to me. I want to challenge my life and I want to challenge us today that as we go through our life in this journey, there are people out there who just want to know they're a gift from God. And they're ready. At that moment, Matthew just jumped up and said, I leave it all behind. In that moment, he left his relationships. In that moment, he left his prosperity. He left his home to go follow Jesus. He left his relate. I don't know if he had a girlfriend or three girlfriends. He left them all behind. 
to go follow Jesus. He left his career. He even left the threat of Rome. Why'd you leave your post? He left it all behind for the value of knowing God and being a gift of God. How many people out there in the community are just waiting to hear words like that? Just to know, man, do you know something? I know you're struggling. I know there's something eating away at you. And I know everybody thinks you have it all together in the world. And I know maybe the religion of this world and the church is, is judging you, feel condemned. You would never set foot in a church. But I want to tell you something. Jesus wants you to follow Him because you're a gift. You're valuable to Him. In that moment, his whole identity was changed. There must have been something in his life that completely changed. That moment completely changed his life because this is the only gospel that clarifies this moment, and that's Matthew's gospel, because it made an impact on his life. He was a gift from God, and God wanted him. When the church didn't, and the world thought he had it all together, he knew there was more out there. He needed that. He needed that identity change. And then he becomes what we know as a useful servant. He begins to witness out to his friends. He becomes really an outreach tool for Jesus at this banquet. He invites these people to win them to Christ. You know, some of the people that the church and the religion of this world sees like this guy would never be a pastor. And this guy, those guys that have the best stories. Those people have come from the darkest dark, man. That those are the people that win the most because they're so moved. That those, you know, Jesus says, "Those who forgive much love much." Matthew becomes like that, finds salvation, leaves it all behind, and he experiences the grace of God, becoming this great evangelist. And Matthew becomes something more. He becomes useful to Christ. Matthew would have known multiple languages. He would have been able to do math when other people really couldn't have done all that. He would know the value of goods, of wool and linen and pottery and brass. He would have known the value of local and foreign money. He would have been skilled at writing and keeping records. He would have spoke Aramaic and Greek. Uh, And what happens is Jesus begins to make him, we speculate, the official recorder of everything that happened in those three years of their journeys. You see, sometimes you might have something in the world that was useful to the world, but when you give it over to God, God uses it too. Whether it be that skill, that trade, that craft, God uses it. God can use it. You don't have to be a TV preacher, an evangelist, or speaking behind a pulpit. Sometimes it's just wielding a hammer, a welder, playing a guitar, riding a motorcycle. There are things that God sees and He says, I'm going to use that in you because you're my gift. And Matthew begins to take all of his gifts and give them over to God. He begins recording this gospel. Uh, Really, Matthew, we think Matthew's gospel becomes a foundation for the other gospels. And Jesus begins to use him. How has our call moved us into witnessing for God's love and to put our gifts into use, our skills into service? Because Matthew takes this moment in his life jumps on it, becomes an evangelist, gives all of his skills to God, leaves behind all of his career, his reputation, his fame, his riches, becomes one of the twelve, one of the honored twelve apostles, gives the authority over demons and delivers sin or sickness and disease, and he sees all these mighty things. He follows Jesus all the way through. the the uh, He sees him at the resurrection, and he waits in the upper room, and then with 120 people, Matthew is there, and he sees the fire of God come down in tongues of fire and speaks in new tongues. He hears Peter's sermon. He's there on that day and he's, uh, he sees God using him in signs and wonders and begins to go out and he is a new creation. When everybody was passing him by as a traitor, 
God said, you're my gift. I'm going to use you. I'm going to call you. I'm going to commission you. You're something special to me. And it so moved him that tradition says he spent several years teaching the Jews in Jerusalem and in that area, trying to reach the people, no doubt, that he had traded on. Stayed in his hometown, his home area, and and, and the rural, perhaps he went to Galilee, mostly in Jerusalem. Spent some time there, and he would later travel to Ethiopia, not the Ethiopian Africa, the ancient one in south of the Caspian Sea. He would go there, and we don't really know how he was martyred, but he would die a death. History would record his death, but what we would leave behind, what Matthew would leave behind, is his gospel. This thing that would never have been written had Jesus not said, come, I can use you, you're my gift. Had the apostles not gotten over their issues of, well, there's a traitor in our midst, or they let so-and-so on the worship team at sanctuary, or take up the offering, or take communion, or they they let so-and-so do that at that church, because they're a gift from God, and God's got a use for them. And in this house, everybody's useful. Everybody's got something they can do for Jesus Christ, whether it be cleaning the bathrooms, running the sound, teaching our kids, or just loving on other people and praying for them in their prayer closet. God's got something. Matthew writes this great book. I'm just giving you a couple thoughts on this great book that he writes. Matthew's legacy is that he turned over his gifts to the Lord because of his identity. Maybe today you have some gifts that you've yet to turn over to God, things that you're really called to do for Him. And he says, you use that for the world, why don't you use that for me? In Matthew, we learn that he was a sinner ready to respond. He was transformed by Jesus as acceptance of Him, this grace he received, takes his skills for kingdom service, becomes this evangelist, invites his friends, writes this gospel, becomes the most highly valued and widely read gospel uh, in the early church. Even though Mark's was written first, Matthew becomes the most widely spread and circulated gospel, the most uh, complete until Luke. And the theme of this book, you have to understand, the theme of his gospel, every gospel has a different theme, becomes sound doctrinal teaching, but not only that, it becomes the only gospel to mention the church. Now, because you belong... He's the only gospel mentioned to church. He's the only gospel to give the special revelation that Jesus is the Messiah who fulfills all the law. Remember, Matthew would have been the one who broke it all. He, he, he would have left it all behind and broke it on. So Matthew says, this guy fulfilled everything I broke in my childhood. Everything that I fell away from. Everything I knew better. And I did the opposite thing that my parents and grandparents and all the people I grew up with were told me to do. I went the other direction. Jesus comes, fulfills all that for me. And he gives a revelation of Jesus as a triumphant king who brings his kingdom. He recognized something about Jesus, that he was the king and that he was a part of the kingdom. And why do you think that is? Because this so-called greedy traitor was moved by the good news of a king who not only delivered him from his identity, but promoted him and commissioned him to build his church. It was an honor that God would call me. God would use me. God has something for me. Who am I that the king of the world would look down from heaven 
and see my messed up life, struggling, thinking I had it all together, trying to figure life out, pursuing my own gain, uh, falling into these relationships, all these things. He says, you're my gift. Come use your talents for my kingdom. And so he left the kingdom of Rome and serving man's kingdom and began to serve the king, not just as a lowly tax collector on a dirt road somewhere, but as one of the greatest apostles in the history of the world to write one of the greatest gospels. And he would give his life for this king because he saw him as a gift. He gave up his life for Christ, so moved by what he did. I'm going to ask you this, and we're going to pray, but who is Jesus Christ to you? And is he worth giving up your life for? Has he changed your identity? And how are you honoring and serving the king with your gifts? And lastly, who around you is God saying they're a gift? But that we might in our own prejudice, in our own religion, just be walking by them and saying, you know, they're really not. I don't know, God, that that guy's got some issues. That girl's got some issues. Lord bless them (laughs) as I walk over here, right? Man, God, help us to see people are a gift. That God might want to use that person. God might, the disciples didn't have a clue. The Pharisees didn't have a clue. The story that would be told for ages of Matthew. I want to see these pews filled with people who have got a story. That God said, I was a gift. And I've given what I gave to the world and I gave my gifts to the world's kingdom, but now my gifts are given to God. And I've got a story about a king and a kingdom who came and pulled me out. And I said, yes, Lord, I'm ready. I'll be faithful to you. Let's, let's pray tonight. You just bow your heads.